he hit me up. He's like, hey, man, things are going. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you always see, you know, begin to win and that's what's been happening. It's like, we've, I've been winning before as well, but it's just been totally different now that the whole landscape is all different, you know, with regards to digital. Um, and you're, you came in pretty clutch, to be honest. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. I'm curious. So, like, when we're talking about things, like, what kind of scale are you at these days? So this is kind of like the first time we've been able to put a thousand dollars on one campaign in like the history of any client we've worked with. That's like, massive. Yeah. Right. And, and like, that's many... like almost half a million dollars a year. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like a lot of agencies and other, other people who run these campaigns also don't do that. They rather split their campaigns up and like spend a thousand in a lot of different places. And it doesn't look as bad, <laughs> but you know, with the way that we do it now, uh, it's much more easier to just do that and not, you know, like panic at the results we're seeing because they're actually not only quite uh, better than before, but, you know, they also don't have to look perfect because, you know, you know, like on-platform or us isn't the most important thing. You know, it's other, thing, other things are far more important that, you know, that we know now. Um, and it's just been a lot more easy and a lot more intuitive the way that our campaigns are built. I love that. You know, I think, that's really great to hear. And I know that you've been paying attention to a lot of stuff because we've been in the DMs and stuff and we've chatted oh, a couple sure. of times. But I'm curious, like, one of the things I think is really helpful to folks is kind of understand, like, what it was like, what happened and, and what it's like now, you know? And, like, with that in mind, like, what were things like before you were able to get this $1,000 a day where now that there's, like, blood in the streets and it's the apocalypse and, like, it's the end of days, nobody can make <laughs> Facebook work. You're doing better than you ever have. Right. Yeah. And, and this is even in the wing of iOS 14 and like other tracking uh, restrictions and stuff like that. Like, I mean, it doesn't mean that that um, attribution has been the best. It still isn't that great. But, you know, we're just still seeing things just work, you know, and it's kind of and like in the industry, it's not always enough to have things adjust. You also kind of have that evidence that they are working, which is still a little bit more difficult to come by. I mean, but there isn't really any fix for that just yet. Right. I mean, like the, <laughs> they can't just send over opt-out data, you know, that kind of thing. So in any case, we're still doing what has to be done, which is to make these campaigns work and function and profit, um, you know, despite the challenges that you might be seeing. So with regards to your before and after, uh, before it was a bit like we have retargeting all over the place. We have like different complex windows, right? Like, 50, like 14, 30, 60 day windows retargeting uh, different products, you know, like, like a lot of like, like if then type campaign things, you know, like if they saw this, didn't click on that, well, we'll send on this campaign, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you, like, like, you, you look like that meme of Charlie from, from it's always sunny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 exactly. Just like, like they go here, man, and then they go here and they eat stickers all the time, dude. <laughs> Yeah, there'll be a lot of these big brain type campaign moves, right? Um, different, like, uh, different creative made for different parts of the funnel. Um, and it would work, you know, like, there would be pretty good around something like a four, like, a, you know, like four X, five, etc. Things that were pretty good uh, face value, but uh, like, later on, we'll get to that. But like, you know, the downside is obviously, like, massive scale wouldn't really be as possible, right? But, um, you know, we were kind of like working on on like facade metrics, things that make you look really good, but at, at the same time, you don't quite know how well you'll be able to scale with that. And that was really how it was before. Lots of like confidence and retargeting, lots of, of reliance on stuff like that. But if you ask us about scale, we're kind of like, eh, you know, everyone's kind of like cold sweating when it comes to that. <laughs> like, yeah. are you gonna spend 10,000 a day or like? Yeah, you, get like a, you get like an 8X ROAS on $14. And you're like, well, hey, the metric <laughs> looks great. How much do we right? make today? Nine bucks. <laughs> why are we on this phone call like you just right? it cost me more time i spent more money to get on the phone call to realize that this is a complete waste of time than i'll ever make working on this thing for a month 
right? And that happens a lot in the industry. So like people will have like a lot of clients want maybe three to six hundred bucks a day, and they don't really want to get past that one k a day like sweet spot. Um, and because of that, a lot of, a lot of agencies would rather take on a bunch of clients, you know, and keep them in that like five to a thousand dollars a day spend um, and grow that way, as opposed to taking one client from like zero to like five, ten, fifteen million a year and yeah. even growing up that way. Yeah, I mean, so, you know how much harder work it is to deal. First off, if somebody's paying you three hundred dollars a day, five hundred dollars a day, that also means that they want five, ten hours of your week. Like the lower paying the client, the more of your time and energy they want of yours. Cause honestly, like you, like what I've found is the less money a client pays you, the more they are reliant on you to make or break the success of their business. And the more they need to micromanage what you're doing, because you are now such a big investment. If somebody can only afford $500 a day, for instance, like what they're doing is saying, this is all I have. And I'm going to micromanage you like an employee. And like, if you have five huge mess and like, if the success of your business is dependent on you being able to find people that can work for really cheap and get sales folks, find other people to bring you in to set up the system. It's just like, that is an unbearable thing versus why not get two or three folks that you can get to a thousand a day in a campaign, 2000, 3000. Why not get a seven figure brand to go to eight? Cause two or three of those can easily be multiple six figures a year in contracts and like, also dozens of hours a week back in your life, hundreds of hours a year. Uh, like, I mean, okay, let's do the quick math. If you could save 20 hours a week, mm-hmm. that's over a thousand hours a year yeah. that you don't have to spend babysitting somebody whose business model isn't good enough for them to be able to afford to. Right. And the thing is, I always say about that, like it, it feels as though the, uh, the smaller paying uh, clients, you know, the smaller paying people very often, there's a lot more that they haven't figured out. Even if they have like product market fit, for example, there's a ton of what they have not figured out yet. And often they fall into this pattern of, you know, hiring someone, paying them what they can and expecting you to, you know, solve more than one problem, right? Yeah. So you're doing an I campaign and CRO and they're expecting you to figure out like seven different things on top of that because their success kind of depends on you now. Um, and that often is a lot more than you're being paid for, first off. And second, um, you don't very often you can't quite solve all those things just like that. It takes in, you know, like more minds might be required by people, right? Because it might not be an area of expertise or just different reasons. So there's a lot that they haven't gotten yet, which is fine. But the fact that they're pitting that all on you for a small amount of money as well can make it much more difficult than it has to be. Yeah. And on the other side of that coin, because I've been on both sides of that, like many, far too many times, is it's also a bad investment for that business owner. Because them having to micromanage you means that now they're spending hours a day micromanaging their agency instead of learning the skills and involving their business. Like I've worked with the folks that did, like I used to do really small stuff. Like I would only take, I was like, if I just get 10 people to pay me $700 a month, I I could easily like be making a hundred grand a year. Sure. Like I'll do that (laughs) or whatever. Right. And like, yep. that was my thinking because I was making, you know, $10 an hour. And I was just like, well, screw it. I could do this. And what I realized was the amount of time I had to spend on a conversation to explain things that they were never going to take action on. To just tell them why what I was doing, like why this thing that I felt was valuable was something that they should give a shit about. Like it got so distracting for them. And honestly, like looking back at it, I think it was great for me to learn too, because I got really good at understanding like, what are the problems that they have? How do we address these needs and all of that? But the other side of it is like, those business owners never were able to build up their business model because what they did is try to get 
they tried to focus so much on being really good at marketing something that was an incomplete product. And, and I can't tell you how many tens of thousands or hundreds of maybe millions of dollars over the, I mean, I've, I've spent an ungodly amount of money. I'm not gonna try to tally, tally it up, but on businesses that were just telling the world they weren't ready to open their doors. Like they weren't ready for that scale. I feel like so many people don't understand, like you're not ready to make a bunch of money right now, right? Like you have a product, not a business, right? Like it worked in this small scale, but it can't get bigger. And people's definition of success is often really bad. And what, what I found with that is the person that needs to talk to me three times a week and they're paying me like 500 bucks a month, that person would be way more, would, would benefit far more spending that time and energy learning how to do the thing than to pay somebody else. And the honest truth is like, maybe they can't learn how to do it. Maybe they're too, maybe they're, they're, they don't have the bandwidth. And what that tells me is they don't have their priorities straight and they're trying to tackle 20 problems. Right. And like, and like, look, if you, going after paid media is, is a luxury problem, like it amplifies an existing awesome business model and either you can invest in it appropriately or you're not ready to invest in it. And man, that is the most brutal truth, but I can't tell you how many times I get calls from people or I get DMs from people like, Hey man, can you save my business? Or can you like sinking ships or like, Hey, can I pay you X amount of Z? And I'm like, you don't want to do that. Like I literally tell them like, this is a bad idea. I will not take your money. I will not work with you. I think you need to do X, Y, and Z. And maybe what it really looks like is instead of making four or $5 million a year with 20 employees and working 80 hours a week, what you need to do is make 800 grand a year with three employees. Like, yeah. like you just got too big. You had, you tried to solve too many problems and that's brutal. And, and some folks are also at their limit, like where, where they can't maximize anything else and they need to hire on. Like they're just, and so there's the inverse of that as well, which I think the relationship right. is really good, but I can't tell you how many times the healthiest thing to do in the relationship is be like, we shouldn't do this. I don't want to take your money because right. I think you should be working on building a business model so that you can afford to pay me way more Yeah, because that means that you're going to be in a place where you can take advantage of that. And I see that a lot, um, I guess, like with myself and with some people like you, but not enough in the industry overall. Like there's a very, I feel like it's pretty rare for people in the industry to resist taking someone's money if they can't help them. Like, they would usually say, all right, sure, let's check it out. Pay us our, yeah. our retainer or whatever for a month or two. And then, you know, they'll cancel after proving that right. When, in my opinion, the best response is to just, you know, either say, no, I won't take your money because it's not going to, you know, it wouldn't genuinely work out. Um, but, I mean, a little advice is still fine. But I just, I agree with that. You know, you shouldn't, like, jump head first into it if you know or have some kind of, uh, you know, idea that it might not work. People tend to jump into this too much. Like there isn't that genuine care for the health of the business in the long run. And yeah. I feel like the, when you can find that, it's, it's, it's golden, really. And that's yeah. kind of what we do, too. For us, like if we, like we give um, a lot of companies like a try run, we give them like a, like a one-month trial for free to see like if it's possible for a campaign of theirs to really work out. And we usually do that little run. And if it doesn't work, we tell them why. And we say, all right, we're going to take your money. This is what happened. We think the issue is here, fix that, you know, and then, you know, progress, take these steps, et cetera. Yeah, you go on a couple of dates before you like buy a house together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Funny how that's a, like a healthy thing to do. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, because so much of this too is about the relationship, right? It's about your ability to communicate. And like, there are 20 ways of solving that problem. Is the way that I want to solve it, that I know works for me and it suits my needs, what's going to work best for you. Now, there might be five ways of doing it, but- 
how can we work together in a in a way that doesn't amplify our six, uh, our stress and, and get in the way of the way that we want to work? I mean, some people, I, I've seen the exact same business succeed in five different ways by, you know, business models succeed in a million different ways. And there's not necessarily a right and wrong. There's just a, if you're going to use this tool, there's a way you should be using it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that like, I, I've seen some businesses that can't make Facebook ads work at all, but crush with influencer. I've seen other businesses that can't make any paid media work, but like their organic is fucking bonkers, right? I've seen some people where it's all just email and podcasts, no paid media at all. And they're like, and you know what? They're all selling the exact same thing, like weight loss powder in a bag, flavored like chocolate, (laughs) chocolate. and that's it. You know what I mean? Like that's a business model. Mm -hmm. I've seen seen businesses that, um, uh, this is, you might laugh at this one, I've seen businesses that have, it's it, it's weird, but they've um, done so much uh, segmenting on Facebook that the algorithm, like it bids as high as possible, consistent. It, it can't under like underbid. Uh, a support rep told us that the bidding system was like almost locked. It, like it's it it's stuck bidding at the these are the word they use um, at the, like their highest bar rails. So they'll, they'll spend like a $200 CPM for an open audience now, just because they spent so much time using all the things that you probably shouldn't be using, like interest targeting, all those other things, right? Like they've almost spoiled their algorithm. And yeah. I, find that, I find that kind of funny. I mean, a little sad, obviously, but kind of funny considering that you always talk about the opposite of that, you know, being the way to go. Yeah, and I'll tell you, the reason I preach that is the opposite is because I was that guy. I, I legitimately spent at least 50, maybe $100 million with like over a dozen campaigns live at any time. There'd be like a lookalike campaign and an influencer campaign and like 14 different products. And we're spending $500 here and $2,000 there, whether it was a five grand a day account, a $1,000 day account, or other ones were like $30,000, $50,000 a day. And it worked. Like we were making money. But to go back to what we were saying, it worked because the business model was good. Right. Like it didn't require me to do a good job. Like I could communicate and understand the data. So the person in charge of the business could make better decisions and the business grew, but it had very little to do with me. Like I would quite legitimately, the the vice president would go out to like get Starbucks and she'd be like, Hey, who wants whatever. Or or like they said, like somebody, she would always make this thing. Like I was her like lunch. She would get out of the, like she made a point of leaving the office. Right. She's like, I'm going to go to Starbucks. I'm going to go to Chipotle or something. Who wants something? They happen to be a Chipotle right next to a Starbucks at the corner. And uh, so I would be like, bring me back a Trente, cold brew, no ice. So it's 30 ounces of just like rocket fuel. And, and she'd bring it back. I put in headphones. I'd like throw up like Game of Thrones or like Cheers or some stupid shit on my phone. So I just have this like distraction for my ADD. And I, by force of will, I would produce several thousand dollars extra profit that day. Jeez. But if I was sick, or if it was a weekend or I took a vacation, like I, I remember I went to a bachelor party in Vegas and I was gone for three days. I had like the world is on fire, end of days, phone calls, <laughs> a day and a half into being on vacation because the business tanked because I wasn't doing that every single day. It became dependent on right. me having to do that because the system required me to micromanage everything because I had trained my employees to basically require me to spoon feed every decision. And I had never taught them how to succeed on their own. And that is like the, the biggest barrier to success is having everything rely on you, you know? And so 
a lot of this like get out of the interest groups and get out of the micromanagement and all this heavy segmentation and all of that is that you you can win that way and I get people that tell me all the time, I am winning this way. I'm spending, I, I got into this kind of argument in Instagram. I'm trying to be better. But she's like, I spent $25 million and doing this way absolutely works. I'm like, I understand that it works. But you could actually take a break. You could enjoy Thanksgiving instead of day trading your way through Black Friday. You could go on a vacation for Christmas with your family and not be tied to three devices because you train the machine to do the work. You could, you could even take on more work, make more money and not have to invest as much time. And like, that's the gift of what you should be able to do. And if you train the machine, if you teach any employee to not need you, then that employee is going to succeed regardless if you are there. And then your job is just set them up for success. It's about being a good manager and it's a machine learning platform, right? Like every penny you spend teaches it what to do. So in their case, we're talking about like, oh, broad targeting is getting me a $200 CPM. It's like, well, yeah, because you spent no effort training this algorithm to do anything. Like I got this new pup. Like if, if I just gave him a treat every time he shit in the house, <laughs> I'm not going to be upset with him if I come home and it's just mountains. Of, if I go away for the weekend and it's just two feet of shit in the living room, that's my fault. Yeah, right? of course. And how is that any different than the, than Facebook other than like, you know, this clearly this is a living, breathing animal, and I would hate for it to exist in that situation. But Facebook doesn't have any quality of life I need to deal with. And there you go. You know? Yeah, and I mean that's the whole point of it existing. To be honest, like I mean, at least on the, on the business side, like yeah, like, like people have faith in it as a business because they're able to use machine learning to make a good ad product, right? Same thing on TikTok, same thing on any other platforms. That's, that's the reason why the share price goes up because people look at that and they say, all right, they have a good ML platform. Machine learning works out, um, you know? And there's a lot of value in the fact that it can work and bring you business results without you being there and having to rely, you know, on your own decisions on a daily basis. That's a, that's a, that's a huge part of the value in the product in the first place. And I feel like people forget that Facebook has the same goals that a lot of us do. We want their ads to work and so do they. <laughs> you know yeah i mean if, you, if the ads didn't work facebook wouldn't be seeing marketing dollars there you go right like it's in it's inherently in their best interest to make the ads work which is like when we get back to like how the platform functions where it's like all you're doing is you're paying to show content to people instead of organically posting and then it earning its reach yeah but like if your content is shit or if it makes people unhappy you're gonna have to pay more money and it's gonna reach less people yeah, and like you just have to yeah, there's another person on the end of that dollar. Yeah. You know, so like with that in mind, like what is what is the architecture or like how you're setting things up now? Because it sounds like, you know, the like I can't tell you how many people I'm saying are like, well, Facebook's kind of dead and like you can't make money and like they don't care about you. They're just trying to rob you of every dollar you have, like all of this stuff. And it comes from the same folks too, for what it's worth. It's worth. It comes from the same folks who everybody says is like, well, they've been around forever. They've helped so many people. They've been all stuff. I'm like, I get it. But longevity doesn't mean legitimacy. Like if you, if you grew up in a nice neighborhood and your dad and your dad's friend had a kid that started a business and they hired you to basically be like, well, we have a $10 million business. My buddy has this like digital marketing thing and nobody else is there. I'm going to give him some money because whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden, because yeah. they have a really good business and you're attached to it, you've been in business for a long time, but you're spending the entire day complaining about how nothing works. There you go. You know, like those tend to be the, the same folks that have a lot of credibility 
and a big, great big longevity. And you know what the thing is? They're often the nicest people. Like, I'd love to have a beer with them, hang out, you know, go to the <laughs> beach or whatever. Like, but I'm not going to trust them with my business success. Yeah. That's not a slight against them. I don't know. Anyway, that that's a bit of an aside. I just, I'm, I'm so, my, my feet is so wrapped up with these folks and I realized I used to go after them, but they took it personally. And I was just like, I, you're a nice person. You're just shit at business. You just happen to have successful <laughs> clients that don't need you. Yeah. And because you signed good clients a decade ago, everybody thinks that you know what you're talking about. That all being said, because now I've had my like rant and I apologize for that. <laughs> I don't upset anybody. Well, what are things to... looking like for you? Because in this time, you're actually taking your clients and providing them a lot of success and a lot of value. Oh, for sure. So last year was a big year for us because we got on board with one client um, and they were a great fit for us. Uh, as a matter of fact, I knew that before we signed. So I was like, I was kind of nurturing their CEO for about a few months before we even signed on. But eventually we signed on and we basically almost, you know, grew them by about 10 times in revenue, which was great. They went from about 30-ish thousand a month to about 280,000 plus a month by like November of last year, November, December. Nice. Um, you can do a seven-figure business. Yeah. Where yeah. you are along for the ride and a valuable asset for them because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had a pretty good... Uh, product market fit, um, but they didn't have much um, direction, much idea how to run their ad campaign. So we came in, did an overhaul, did a lot of copywriting for them, uh, worked on their conversion rates on their website, rewrote some copy, did a lot of things, you know, with regards to the business and kind of like we made their business communicate itself better to their to their buyers, you know, you know, so that way people can kind of understand what they're about, understand what they're getting into. And people were much more willing to, you know, buy from this company and join them. So... We helped them a lot. It was a really good, um, it, it was a good partnership and there's a lot of work on both sides that went into it, which is great, you know? Um, we know it's a winning product, so we just decided that we wanted to help out with the branding and copywriting and everything along those lines. And yeah, they blew up for sure, which was nice. Um, and then if you fast forward to like May, June this year, things dropped off a lot, you know, after iOS 14, app tracking, transparency, all that stuff. Uh, things dropped quite a bit. They went down to I think like 80-ish or 90-ish uh, K per month, which wasn't terrible, still much better than we started, um, you know, but CPA went up a lot. CPA, when we, uh, last year, I think in the prime was about like maybe $40, $50 uh, per purchase. Um, that had skyrocketed, even in like the earlier months in the year, maybe like around like April, May, it went up from about 40 50 to about 300-ish maybe about like high 200s per purchase. And I don't think that, you know, it's partly partly because of attribution changes, right? And the um, ad manager missing out conversions and not being able to attribute correctly. And also because we felt like there was a bit of a, um, you know, like uh, there was a bit of a, a drop-off in terms of copywriting and in terms of, um, in terms of just the way that the algorithm would target people. We decided it was probably time for us to make a strategy switch and see how we can you know, better utilize the platform to get these people. Um, we were doing a lot of different things, a lot of different strategies, a lot of different tests, testing different interest groups, testing lookalikes. Lookalikes kind of died off for us uh, post iOS 14. They were, I think that was the one thing that worked extremely well before that almost immediately decreased in quality after the April, May issue, you know? Yeah, the whole absolutely. April, May change in, um, in targeting on Facebook. 
Um, so then eventually I had come across you and decided, let's try this out because we're currently looking at different things. You know, we're currently trying to find different directions to go in to figure out the most effective strategy here. And immediately after using uh, one of your approaches, which was mainly just, you know, coming back to dynamic, uh, dynamic creative, right? Giving them a time, you know, a chance to rotate. And essentially, uh, instead of picking what creative would be for what part of the funnel, we essentially let the algorithm pick that, you know. I, I remember a lot, a part of what you mentioned with regards to what might be a good, you know, a warm-up for someone, you know, it might be a good collab for another person, right? Like someone might prefer, are you retarding ad in some cases, you know, and another person might see, you know, a good podcasting ad, that might be, a, that might be a, you know, good for a different part of the funnel for them. So like, it kind of made me, you know, think about the fact that, you know, the individual might actually have a lot of weight with regards to what piece of creative might be best for what part of funnel they're in. It might not just be up to us as marketers to, you know, dictate what the experience should be like for them, at least in this case, right? So we decided to, you know, try that and put some weight into letting the algorithm pick the creative. Um, so that was the first thing that we made that was a bit different. Um, and we decided to, you know, go into open audiences, just go into broad, mainly because we noticed, that, well, I mean, apart from you, but mainly we also noticed that as a platform, Facebook was kind of trying, like we can see their bias towards that. We saw that they're, they were gradually like moving options away, right? They remove audience insights. We saw that they were um, making it a default to have uh, expansion or for detail targeting, things like that. So we kind of put that together and said, all right, it seems like if they're really trying to build the interface in a way that makes it really hard for you to use interest targeting, it might be good for us to go with it and see where that takes us. So we did yeah. that, like, as an aside, just the sheer fact that Facebook's UI has reflected everything you've said kind of gave us a huge hint that this will make sense. So <laughs> back to it, we decided to jump into that wholesale. Um, so fully broad, dynamic creative, essentially um, almost nothing else, you know, one product, one objective per campaign. Um, and as and after we implemented that, our CPA was cut by half in, in under a week. Nice. We, went from about, we went from about like 280-ish CPA to like 120 or so, 140. Right now we're at about 150, a solid 150, but that's okay, we don't mind that because even so, we're spending, like our MER, like we're spending less of our revenue on marketing. Like we're spending a smaller slice of our revenue on marketing than we were during the height of our previous campaign performance. Um, so essentially, in, in, I think in March, in March, I think we'd spent around 40K on Facebook campaigns within that month. Um, and I think that had brought in about 175-ish thousand, right? Um, as of now, that client is spending, I think, about 20,000 and they're at about 130 or something like that. So they're spending significantly less and they're bringing in significantly more. Even if it, even it isn't tracked, even if it isn't tracked, it's still you know, a much much better MER you know, on average. We're spending a lot less of our revenue on marketing and still bringing in quite a bit more from that one platform. Because I think uh, they're still running ads only on Facebook as of right now. Google as well, but very small spend there. Um, but yeah, so even though the CPA is not like, it, it isn't totally beautiful in the platform, just the, the bigger picture of where the dollars are going and what is coming in is still very efficient and even more so than what we were doing in the best days of that campaign.
So uh, yeah, we are going to remake some of those goals because I don't think it's going to return to uh, you know, post April attribution. So we're going to remake some of those. But as of right now, much more free, much more easy to, um, much easier to do the campaigns and spend. And we feel a lot safer spending one to five thousand a day now than we ever have with this client before. And I can see us doing that for everybody else pretty soon. Yeah, I love it, man. Like, I mean, basically what you're saying, first off, mazel tov to you for getting to that point. That's awesome. And it's like, you've identified a problem, you got uncomfortable, you leaned into something, you, you, you read the room. And based on that, you made some high confidence, difficult decisions to kind of change things around entirely, but lean on your strengths. And I think that's, that's awesome. And I love that, like using dynamic creatives to get to that million dollars a year. I, I'll be honest, I don't know a single brand that I've worked with the last three to four years uh, where dynamic ads, whether it's DPA or dynamic creative, isn't at the core of how they got to million dollar a year ad spend, right? And how they went from seven figures to an eight figure brand, because it, it does allow the system to use all of that data. And, yeah. it, and it allows your employee to have the best opportunity for success. For sure. And, and, I, and I love that because like that's so much of what it is. Plus then too, when you're trying to establish like what your problems are and what questions you want to solve, it's, well, if, if I know what it is, instead of taking a bunch of time to take a lot of guesses, just out into the wilderness, what you can do is say, I have a problem. I want to set up a dynamic ad with every possible, with, with my highest confidence solutions to this problem. Mm -hmm. And let me see if the machine can win with the tools that I can give it. Because that's the other thing is if you can't solve that problem, letting the machine use the tools that it has to the greatest effect, then maybe that's not the problem that you should be solving, right? Like, like I, I can't tell you how many times I've worked with brands that are like, well, we're running four different offers and we're going to run, build, we're building ads on all of them and none of the ads work and they work like, or maybe they work for like four or five days and then they day off. And like their question to me is how do I make the ads work longer? And my right. point to them is that's not your problem. Your problem is which offer can you scale to a million dollars a year profitably using the tools that lets Facebook be as stable and as smart as possible? If that were me, if that were me, I would essentially have four separate campaigns and try to find the best creative per offer for each one, you know, and have the machine basically rotate on those. Yeah. And then based on those, you might even optimize between the available campaigns. There you go. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. I've seen people, I've seen people try to, have one campaign and then squeeze in like four to eight offers into that one campaign with like one ad or two ads per offer. And it's like, well, how much can you discover from that? You think you have all the answers when in reality, the machine's job is to get you the answers. Yeah, I like, you know, and it's funny too, like with, with this, I've been doing a lot of stuff around like Black Friday and a lot of stuff around optimization. I've been trying to hammer it home. Um, Cause it's easy for me to like, write. I got a sticky note on all my black Friday things. So I was like, great. I'm going to make a YouTube video for each one of these, sit down here for an hour or two and just yell at my computer. And uh, like, it works, <laughs> uh, you know, it works for me. Uh, but like a lot of that is people trying to chase down these different concepts and these different ideas and these different goals. And I, I feel like that is one thing that's been really helped me focus with a lot of folks is when I try to talk about business objective by campaign. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, 
Well, for instance, in this case, how do I, my, my business objective is to set myself up for Black Friday being as strong as it can, or my business objective is to sell this one product, or my business objective is to make the most revenue. And the answer I get from a lot of folks is, I want to make the most revenue and get the most profit. Like, okay, got it. We understand that. We all want everything and cake. I get it. But like, what is the actual path to success? And then what, what are you able to actually handle? And, and so with that in mind, for instance, one of the things around Black Friday that I've been talking about a lot lately, especially with students and with clients is, do you want a thousand customers at a $20 product? Or would you rather have like 200 customers at a $100 product where the profit margin per each sale is, is, is greater? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of them will default to say, well, I want that thousand customers. Well, that makes sense. But let me ask you two questions. One, can you fulfill a thousand orders right now? Like flat out, do you have the inventory from China or wherever? Do you have the ability to make that work? Because if you don't, you might make a shit ton of money on Black Friday. And then your page score goes to like one and a half because you can't fulfill anything. People are asking for refunds constantly. And your business, you you go out of business because you can't legitimately provide a decent service. Or would you rather develop a couple hundred really strong relationships with people who are willing to pay you more money than the retail price on your base offer where mm. you develop these long-term relationships where it can give great LTV. And the honest truth is just like we were talking about agencies with clients, I'd much rather have three $5,000 a day clients oh, than sure. $3,500 a day clients. Cause it's also less work. Yeah. And many are the opposite of that. Many would prefer to have 3,500 a day as opposed to three, 5,000 a day. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that that just comes way, from a- By the way, one thing, I just want to mention real quick. The content I'm referring to, when we had begun working with them, they actually went out of stock in, I think, the second month, and they couldn't fulfill any orders for about two weeks or so. I love just that mentioned that. I had to go that in there. <laughs> I love that. Like, I, lo- I legitimately love it when the advertiser's problem is, we ran out of product. Yeah. It's like, you did so well that this business that hired you to basically help them make money literally can't sell anything like their store is empty like well done well done to you for giving them that problem because that is that's great they had to do a pre-order thing for two weeks and it was it was crazy some people were angry most of them were understanding all that but it was it was chaotic i love it thank you i appreciate that (laughs) that is that is well done and and good to you for that like those are the best problems and like actually problems I remember I had a a business that I worked with that had stuff in different flavors, right? And chocolate was the biggest flavor. Vanilla was the second. And like, you know, um, and what we found was that we would have to just pull flavors off the website, be like not available, right? Or there'll be products where like, we didn't have it in this size anymore. Like we ran out of medium, you know? And and like, I've also been a musician on tour. We're like, we didn't get that many double XL shirts. We ordered 15 when we left Florida, like when I used to be a touring musician out of Orlando. We go up and down the East oh, yeah. Coast. And like by the time we left South Carolina and ran out of all double XLs, there's nothing I can do. Hey, great. That's I'm glad you problem. like the show. I'm glad you want to give problem. me money. I'm not prepared for that. Sorry. And like that's just a customer that's never going to, like, I'm never going to see that person again. Like I'm never going to be able to make that relationship. And, and so it's just it's this, this mindset of being able to pick the problems that you can solve. You know what I mean? And one of those things with that, for instance, was, well, let's bring in swag that, that is not dependent, that we can stock. If we get 200, it goes to everybody, right? Or 
if your business comes in, like, how do you solve a problem so that in, you, you don't run out of these bits and pieces? And another part of that, like supply and ability to fulfill is also on the platform side, like data. Like if you have five or 10 different products, how do you realistically expect your system to be able to solve to, 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 to sell all of these things, right? Like, yeah. like and, and even with that, like, instead of, I see so many people that are like trying to advertise on 20 platforms. It's like, I appreciate that you want to do that, but how good are you going to, what is your Facebook campaign suffering because you're not able to make Facebook work or because you're also devoting time to Pinterest, TikTok, email, influencer, radio, everything else where none of them are actually proven, but you're just, you're losing everywhere. And then you're complaining that like you're not able to keep up with the Joneses on out of context screenshots of people that are two years ahead of you. Like there's no way you can like that's just an unhealthy way of doing things. And I I, I love that we were talking about before about like market fit and does this business work? Like maybe what you need to do is just get a really good at like your email game and your product and customer service. Like email and customer service can get you to the point where you could throw a thousand dollars a day at Facebook and not make any dollar and you're going to be okay. And if you're at that place, you're going to get to a million dollars a year on Facebook really fast. For sure. Because you don't need it to work. And if you don't need something, it tends to be much healthier. Like, uh, you know, my wife doesn't need me. Flat out. She's a business oh, owner. That is great. You know what I mean? Like she's a business owner. She can pay her own bills. She's like emotionally secure. Like, I am a, almost a burden in some ways. And a lot of this in there, like we, we correspond, but like, she doesn't need me. And, and as a result, like we're very healthy together, right? And I feel like a lot of the things, if you don't need it, to, if, if you won't live and die by the success of that thing, your chance for success is much higher. And, you know, with all of this stuff we've been talking about, just, I feel like that goes so much into like, let's just pick and choose the problems that we can solve. Let's pick and choose the situations where we're going to win or we're going to lose, but we're going to know. We're going to know right away. And we can make very high confidence, binary decisions that do not require too much emotional investment or thought or things like that. And, and then rely on your team members to do their job. And I'm a big believer in you hire the right people and you trust them to do their work, right? Like I've, I, I'm a band, you know, I, I play music. I, I had an audition with a drummer yesterday. And like, She's like, well, I don't, I didn't really learn like all the parts, like the way they were on the record. And I'm like, great. I asked you to be in the band because I want you to do your thing. You're not like a facsimile of 20 other people, right? Yeah. And if you're going to ask Facebook to be your marketing arm or a part of the picture, you should be able to let feed Facebook to do it the way that it wants. And I think yeah. that's so difficult when people come in from email or come in from Google and they try to apply those practices to Facebook and they struggle. And like, that's where interest groups come in. Interest groups were designed by Facebook to compete with Google when Facebook was a pay-per-click platform. Right. And they're just this legacy thing to compete with affinity audiences on Google. Lookalike is a ripoff of actalike audiences. Like all of it is just, we just want to be halfway as decent as Google does. And then they realized all the data that they had and they implemented the edge rank system when you no longer saw everything in chronological order and saw every single page. And then they adapted the Facebook pixel, which when that got brought in, it was like the end of the world. I mean, like, I remember the panic with like Activision or Levi's or like Nissan. And we were spending a million dollars a day. And then Facebook's like, actually, we're getting rid of everything. You're going to have one pixel. And people are just like, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? Or like CBO comes around. I'm like, yeah, you should just spend here. I'm like, what do you mean I can't micro control everything? Like, how am I supposed to do oh I remember how many marketers made money fear-mongering about CBO. Oh, selling yeah. like ebooks or like their courses on like how to, you know, 
of what the CBO apocalypse is going to make it mandatory. They're going to destroy your campaigns. And I'm like, why would they want to destroy our account? Are we not their customers? Yeah. Like, come on, guys. Like, it makes zero sense. I mean, yeah, none of it makes any sense. Yeah, just the, the fear mongering around change is, is tough. And, and I will say this. There is a legitimate thing to early adopters are going to see more struggle, right? Like if you if you upgrade the, the operating system on your phone, right? Like I never I never upgrade my like when my iPhone is like, hey, you can upgrade. I like I always wait like a, a little bit, right? Like uh, I, I I've learned that like all right, there's gonna be some buggy shit right away. Mm-hmm. But also when you adopt things, you also get the chance to try new things and be kind of interesting and cool. Like when Reels came out, so many people made a shit ton of money and reached on built brands around the idea of like nobody else is here. Instagram stories was the same thing when that first oh, came out. Snapchat, no, I, I think we're seeing that right now with TikTok. And the honest truth is my guess is TikTok, I've seen this happen with Pinterest. I've seen this happen with Snapchat. I've seen this happen with a lot of different options. The reason, one of the reasons it's so massively successful is because nobody is there. And as soon as you start getting real businesses to spend real money, and really optimize towards that. What we see there is going to disappear. I mean, it reminds me of Facebook 10 years ago. I was talking to Dennis Yu about this and he was like, he remembers 25 and 30 cent CPMs. And I was like, wow, I remember dollar and $2 CPMs. And he's like, no, man, like he's more old school than I am. Like, I, you know, he was there, you know? And, I, and remember, like, I remember three bucks. Yeah. yeah. Bucks, baby. And, and what are we seeing on Snapchat was like a dollar, $2. But then eventually, like the problem is the smartest advertisers in the world and the smartest developers of the machine learning are working for the biggest players. And the honest truth is the staff at Google and Facebook, they just, they're absorbing the brightest minds in the industry at a scale nobody else can compete with. And their ad product is already so mature that they're making really good decisions with super high volume of data. Yeah. Maybe TikTok is the exception to the rule. And in three to five years, you can legitimately spend $1,000 a day and project to the outcome. Yeah. I don't have a great amount of faith in it, but it could be the thing that beats it. But their business objective isn't the same. Like their business objective isn't, you know, to, to, to produce the same type of reaction for advertisers because they're monetized in other ways. And they're supported by other ways. Like, you know, it's what Chinese government money or whatever. Like, I mean, it's like this other thing. We don't even, we don't even know. But the unfair advantage that Google and Facebook has is their pixel is everywhere, right? Sure. Like, it's like, can you speak English? Do you have a US dollar? You can do business 85% of anywhere in the world. And that's Facebook pixel and Google, right? Like they're on every website. They're on every device. You are logged in, even if you don't even realize it. Like, my wife doesn't have the Facebook app on her phone. Okay. And it took me a minute to teach her that like Facebook knows what you're doing on your device, even though you're not logged into the app, even though you don't even have the app on your phone. Yeah. Like you, you have Instagram. There's a Facebook pixel on the site you're going to. Yeah. They know that like you're there. Like there's, there's no privacy. And, and so that access to data is what makes these platforms better than anything else. And until somebody else comes along and has that omnipresence to the inventory, to the data and to the customer experience. I don't think anyone will ever be able to compare or be able to compete. And so for that way, like us in the Facebook world, Facebook's objective is to provide us the tools to use that data in a way that will allow us to spend more money, right? Business yeah. models. They need to support us so we can support them. Yeah. It is a 
symbiotic relationship. And if they bring in CBO or some other thing, and the net result is every advertiser abandons Facebook overnight, like they're going to immediately undo that and bring right. back the hundreds of billions of dollars that they're making every year from people like you and me. Like who wouldn't do that, right? Yeah. Like why, why would they not do that? Like, and the other thing is too, is there's also a bit of legacy support that goes on here. Like if you notice, like Apple hasn't really evolved the iPhone in a long time and people are like, well, Steve Jobs was an innovator and Tim Cook isn't, but also it's reached market maturity. You know, you also see it with like, I have a buddy that was giving me a bunch of shit because like, I really enjoy Madden. I get the new Madden every year because like, I'm a Steelers fan. I got Najee Harris now. Like I'm stoked. I'm trucking people. And he's like, but it's objectively a terrible game. I'm like, what do you mean? Like I have fun. He's like, no, no. All of these things are really, really bad. Yeah. But they're not trying to support all of that stuff because there's an experience and there's a flow. And honestly, if they wildly upgraded the game, changed the experience, added a whole bunch of things, they'll probably lose a ton of customers because they've changed what you've been programmed to expect. Same thing with like Grand Theft Auto. Like their business model now is to get you to have the game and an experience that you can expect and you can enjoy. And then they just upsell you a million little things along the way. Yeah. Why would Facebook want to make a change that forces all the advertisers to relearn and have to do everything? And we've seen that happen. That happen a times. Like the AEM and the Facebook Pixel. Those are the two, basically in the last decade, those are the only two times I've seen a fundamental shift in the architecture. And what happens is, for the 18 months after that happens, everybody's like, this is over, this is done. I remember when the Pixel came, everybody flocked to Pinterest because the CPMs were like 30 cents and like, you can do anything and like, it didn't work out. Yeah. And then like CBO came and everybody flocked to Snapchat. Yep. And then IEM, uh, you know, uh, AEM comes in and iOS 14 and everybody's flocking to TikTok and there's money to be made, but it's probably not a long-term solution. And to be fair, Google's just sitting back here collecting a shit ton of money from everybody on YouTube and search and display and everything, no matter what. And they don't really ever innovate, but they don't have to because they're already omnipresent. And I don't know, for what we're talking about, just going back to even business model, Facebook's providing you two or three products and they're going to make all of the money in the world. And then these other places that are trying to have this super niche thing that has a million options, they're going to take your dollars, but that's not a long-term business plan. Yeah, it really isn't. What are your thoughts on the, on the new Facebook commerce? The, the on yeah, platform? I love the idea of the new Facebook commerce platform. I remember like when ShopPay was in beta and I remember Facebook pay and, and like, you know, I remember back in the day, I did this thing um, with AMC called the pitch. And a result of us being on that show, we won the episode. It was this reality show that came on after Mad Men. Um, and the result was for about a year, you could buy friends gift cards to like Starbucks and like 1-800-Flowers and stuff like that. And so they tried this bringing the commerce onto the platform and it didn't, it, it kind of fizzled out and it burned away. And then they brought it back. Like you can send friends money on Facebook, but I've never said to friend money. I'll use Venmo, I'll use Cash App, I'll sell them. Like I'll be sitting next to my friend gambling on football in real time. And I will go out of my way to like open up my Chase app and like sell him cash instead of just like, here's a Facebook thing, here's 10 bucks. I, I, I just don't. So I think it's really interesting. And I think it's really cool. The problem is adoption. Will, adoption. Will people use it? Yeah. I think that's the biggest issue. I think it'd be great. I love the idea of everything being in that one place. Right. And, and like, I can't remember how many times I think I've seen we're on the third or fourth, uh, like 
uh, iteration of the idea of you can post stuff, content and video ads and just be like, I want that. And you click it and you buy it, right? Yeah, that'd be really cool. And so we'll see ultimately what that looks like. I think I've been a part of a lot of betas that I was stoked on or alphas more that just didn't pan out. Like, I don't know if you remember canvas ads. I think, yeah. I remember you can make like micro sites. Yeah. And it was awesome. And I remember we invested like months and months to build out canvas ad experiences for video games. Where like, you could basically open it into a micro site and you could experience it and you could play along and you could get upgrades to your character in Call of Duty and like other of these like MP, you know, you know, all of these things, right? These RPGs and everything. And what happened is nobody used it. Nobody engaged. It was super cool. We had the greatest, like when somebody was on it, they would stay for like five or 10 minutes, mm-hmm. but they were never, they weren't used to the like behavior. Like, I think the biggest win I've ever seen in this change of behavior was, was DPA. Where people could just swipe through, see whatever they wanted and then buy the thing. Yeah. So we'll see if commerce allows that to happen. I feel like ultimately it'll be tested and then implemented into the back end. So your buy now button is just the one click buy on Amazon. But it's a shopper. Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? I think that's realistically what'll happen is we're not going to have this great intricate plan. That'll kind of all fall through. But on like marketplace, you'll be able to just be like buy. And it's a one tap. Are you sure? Yes. And then it's like face scan, good to go. Like it's integrated with Apple Pay, integrated with Amazon, integrated with Shop, uh, with Shop Pay or, or Facebook's own negative experience. What's we wrap? Like the Facebook ad, you're like, yes, I want that. Buy now or shop now or whatever. And it's immediately just a one click and people can opt into having that one click if they want to. Yes, I would like the one click experience. You're good. Solid. When you say on Facebook Pay, it kind of reminds me of the same like Chick-fil-A versus fast food experience where it's like, you know what Chick-fil-A is for. So you know to go there for that. Similarly, you know what Venmo is for, you know? So you wouldn't really think about Facebook Pay as much because it's just more natural to use Venmo because you know exactly what it's there for, you know? Yeah. And if you know that, chances are the person you're sending money to would also know that. So you wouldn't have to say Facebook pay and they're like, what? And then you educate them on Facebook pay and then try to get them into it. You just go Venmo because you know this person will likely already be on board and know Venmo already. You know? So I feel like that that effect of the Chick-fil-A's of the world where they do that one thing and everyone knows them for that one thing makes it easier. It's when it's kind of like it's more frictionless. Yeah. You know? when it comes to adoption because we all know the one thing or the few things that they do yeah and and like the venmos of the world or uber or airbnbs like they've carved out a niche anybody can compete with them like there's no reason like i've seen the alphas of like facebook trying to do airbnb just never going to go anywhere or i've seen the version of like like these other competitive things or somebody brings something to market facebook offers to buy the company and the company either say yes and then they get they get adopted like instagram did or the company's like fuck you and then Facebook basically integrates Snapchat into Instagram and Snapchat's market share drops dramatically. And then TikTok comes along. And then all of a sudden we have reels like they can, if you don't, if you don't want to play, they can just integrate into you. And what will happen is because it's an available option where people get excited, but it's a choice where they can take that on if they want to. Like, I remember everybody's like, I'm not on Facebook anymore. My mom's on Facebook. And now it's like, well, my mom's got this, this thing. Or now we're seeing like my grandma's making Instagram reels. Like, doesn't mean that I'm not using it. Yep. It's just like everybody gets to use it for their thing. And, and it's like, do you not have Netflix because your parents got it? Like at some point that experience becomes so integrated into your just everyday life 
that it doesn't matter this friction of like being cool or being new or being discreet like if you want that there's an available place for that but facebook isn't trying to solve for that facebook's trying to solve for how do we make 80 percent of the people happy and we're going to be right about 80 percent of the time and those numbers trillion dollar company like like there's no reason that they're that their upside isn't the biggest company in the world i mean they are literally amazon and facebook are going in google not as much but they're going in and building the backbone of the infrastructure of the access to the internet. Like Amazon servers literally power one third of the access to the internet in the United States. I remember in 2015, 2014, the Amazon server went down in like New York. And what it meant was our ad agency in LA that went through a VPN through New York, nobody could get online. Like the internet didn't work. There was no internet for anyone. Wow. And I just went home. And it was like the only day of any of the world agency life where like, I, I legitimately couldn't legit get an email. Like nobody could reach me. Nobody could do anything. Like I was getting texts from people and just like, yeah, sorry, I can't log in. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. I'm legally not allowed to access this with outside the VPN because of like privacy concerns. And that VPN is sitting on a network that Amazon built and their server went down. We're done. That's it. And, and so my, my point to all of that is they're thinking so much bigger and beyond everything. They're not worried about the little fine points. Like TikTok could go grow 10x and Facebook won't even give a shit. They already stole the best thing that they have. They've already monetized it. They've already adopted it. They made it available forever when TikTok probably benefits because Facebook ripped them off because people got more used to the, the culture. Yeah. And then what happened? We saw shorts on YouTube, idea pins on Pinterest, which by the way, if you're making a TikTok or an Instagram reel, there's now this new thing on Pinterest called idea pins. You can just straight up upload the thing. Yeah, I think I'm getting like 5,000 impressions a day. And like, I just upload like 12 of my Instagram reels. I'm going back my entire Instagram reel catalog and like in bed at like 1030 at night, I'm uploading like a dozen and just, it's going to take me a month to get through everything. But as a result, like more SEO and maybe yeah. I'll get a customer. Who knows? Yeah. I think Twitter had a fleets for a while. And oh yeah. Long. Yeah. But they had that for, for a little while. And yeah, you're right. Like everything. They all use the same features very often, and having a benefit too, like you said, to talk about benefits from, from reels and vice versa. Yeah, it's true. For yeah, sure. Clubhouse yeah. got adopted into Twitter Spaces. You, you know, and uh, all of these things, right? And then like Zoom, and then like you, like there's the premium versions of YouTube access. There's like premium, like the Patreon model got adopted by Twitter for like Twitter Premium, and we'll see what happens there. And you know, there's the whole thing with like OnlyFans, like taking pornography off. And so everybody was doomed. And it's like, at some point you should just build your own website and take it uh, in sort of Stripe account or PayPal and just not be reliant on these platforms. But you know, people may or may not, and that's a complete aside. But I, I think ultimately what we've talking about here is more and more proof that Facebook's not gonna go anywhere. They're not gonna fail. They're not MySpace. They're Google, they're cable television. Or, or yeah. maybe Google is cable television and Facebook is Netflix. Yeah. It's going to be there forever. Like, I, I, there's, I don't, are we legitimately going to see 150 million people in the United States just abandon Facebook? No. Or something else. And like, as long as there's going to be social media, Facebook is big enough to adopt anything that, it, and they're either going to buy the competitor or they're going to adopt it and they're going to monetize it. So with that in mind, get good at Facebook ads and you'll have a job basically forever. And Facebook is going to do the best that they can to make that accessible because the absolute worst case scenario, say Facebook ads become as expensive as television. Ooh, scary. <laughs> it's scary. But in the days of television, 
thousands and thousands of people had full-time jobs making six figures or like an entire infrastructure and industry existed around that. And the great thing is Facebook, I don't think they'll ever take away like the boost button. I don't think they'll require you to spend $10,000 to have a conversation. Like if you have a good business model and all you need is really good creative to get somebody to go to your website and then your website does all the heavy lifting, you can be in business, you know, and however, whatever the internet looks like 10 years from now, I'm sure like that'll still be an option. So I don't know, like, I think we've gone around a whole lot of things, but I, I, I love the idea of trusting this machine to do its job. If you're good at it, your objective is to make it, empower it to do its job as good as possible, stay out of the way of it, give it the best tools for success, and then work on your business plan and with your partners so that your model allows you to have greater and greater levels of inefficiency because we're still, the attention is still underpriced. Like the fact is anybody can go into Facebook and make money today. And until that becomes way more of a coin flip or what the odds are against you, Mm -hmm. I would still say it's underpriced. Like, you know, you have better odds of making money on Facebook than you do going to Vegas at scale, you know? And until that happens, until that flips, the, the, the attention is underpriced. And when that does flip, Facebook will turn that switch. Like their CPM model is completely arbitrary. You know, so like, there's no reason that they can be like, you know what? Uh, we're just going to discount CPMs by 20%. We're going to make everybody's experience worse. <laughs> right? What they can do that. And so it's just, there's all these market forces. I don't know. But there's a lot of stuff at play. But I, I know we've also been talking way longer than I thought that like maybe you signed up for. So I, I, I apologize. That's okay. I remember both into it. Yeah, I enjoy it too. I never get to th- like, it's it, one of the things <laughs> about media buying is that it's a really like lo- kind of lonely world. Yeah, and, really. and one of the things I'm really trying to do is build community around this because there's a business model of lack of access to information. People have this paywall to eventually see something that's a solution to some fear mongering. Mm-hmm. And if you're just a decent person, it happens to also be better than those people. And you can communicate with other folks that don't give a shit about what the crazy person on the street corner says. Yep. There's an entire world out there for all of us to experience and, and be happy with uh, if you got something to prom- like not saying that you're here to promote something this isn't some like great pr stuff you're just like hey man let's chat uh but like if i can help you in that way like let me know like what what oh, for sure all the people that's the easiest way to be on twitter um twitter.com slash ea north e-a-n-o-r-v that's my my candle for everywhere um and the agency is just like coronationproject.com so it's pretty easy to find but so this should be one of your first most easiest places to find me love it man well hey thank you so much dude uh i, I want to chat with you some more after this as well just because this was a, a great get to know you but i'm interested in some more of the deep stuff and maybe we'll we'll find a way to to, to just slide into the dms that sounds i'm just gonna leave it there i'm gonna leave it there we're good we're good i'm gonna go walk this baby right. puppy anytime but thank you anytime, so much man i really appreciate it i'll welcome. talk to you later man for sure for sure talk to you soon